Hi, everybody. Welcome to the ongoing nightclub interview series, where my guest today is the beloved and esteemed Kirtan artist, Krishna Das. This is one of the most personal interviews I've ever conducted and on topics so near and dear to my heart music, sound, and the power of devotion. Really, as a classical pianist, it's so rare that I have the opportunity to talk about my music. KD and I share several recordings of our music and a number of stories about our respective paths. I have to say, devotion has been the single most important aspect of my own spiritual journey, and music has been in my life for decades. To talk about these two greatest passions with someone like KD is a real honor. Welcome, everybody. Andrew Halchik here to our ongoing nightclub interview series where uh, I often say we have really remarkable guests, and I really do mean it. But today we have a really special guest. Um, personally, this is a very special thing for me. I'm very excited to spend the next um, few minutes or so with the legendary Krishna Das. And so I wanted to do the usual introduction. And then we'll start right up. And what will make this session particularly unique is we're going to have some musical offerings. Um, KD will be sharing some things. I'm, I'm actually going to offer a musical offering, um, a recording of one of mine, and then we're just going to cover a literary material. So uh, about Krishna Das, a.k.a. KD, uh, layering traditional kirtan with instantly accessible melodies and modern instrumentation, Krishna Das has been called Yoga's rock star. With a remarkably soulful voice that touches the deepest chord in even the most casual listeners, Krishna Das, known to friends and family as simply as KD, has taken the call and response chanting out of yoga centers and into concert halls, becoming a worldwide icon and the best selling Western chant artist of all time. I could go on and on. He's, he's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> and I have to share, KD, first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and your busy life to spend time with us. I, I, for one, have been looking forward to this for a really long time because music has been a monstrous part of my life. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Oh, uh, I, I, oh, go ahead. I like the legendary part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? I'm a legend in my own mind anyway. That much I can tell you. It, it, exactly. But I, I have to share with our, our listeners that this is a particularly um, – uh, nice event for me because uh, I am a musician by training. My my first degree is actually in classical piano performance. I was an aspiring concert pianist. And so music has been just a colossal influence on my life, and, and it continues to be so. And so to actually have uh, my first real guest that we've had since we started this um, with, with someone like KD is just so special. But I have to share with you all that uh, I was really taken with um, – his genius. A couple of years ago, I was teaching a program in Kripalu and it was doing a dream yoga event. And the absolute highlight of this weekend was he offered a, a concert on Saturday night, a, a full Kirtan event. And I, I have to say, Katie, it was, it was just such an impressive event. I, I felt at the end, and we'll be talking a little bit more about this, like my, I had taken a two hour bath with mm -hmm. my subtle body, I, I, I just kind of floated out of that arena. And I, I want to get into some of the kind of 
technicalities or phenomenology of that experience. But, but mostly I want to talk about um, just the extraordinary power of sound and the role of, of music on the path. Um, and so with that in mind, maybe you can start by, by telling us um, two things. One, a little bit about what exactly is Kirtan, um, and then obviously we'll be listening to it. Um, but most importantly, how, how did the role of music really come to um, consume you in this most beautiful way? Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, Kirtan is a, is a, a, a mantric practice. Uh, very similar to any other type of uh, mantra repetition in any of the other religious traditions. This one is essentially Indian. Uh, essentially, what I do is pretty much from the Hindu tradition, although I have to say I'm not a Hindu in any way. I haven't been initiated in any, any particular uh, lineage or anything like that, uh, officially. Um, <clears throat> so, um, the, the practice that I do is, in India is called the repetition of the divine names, or the names of God. And uh, it's a particular, it's not, those, these are mantras, specifically what they call the name. There are mantras for everything, you know, there are mantras for finding buried treasure, there's mantras for making people fall in love with you, there's mantras to become president of the United States, you know, all kinds of mantras. But these mantras, the name, is really only good for one thing, which is the one thing, which is f moving you more deeply into your true nature, into your essence, into the, the presence within, so to speak. Uh, and all these names are the names of that place within us. And when I heard this being done in India just by chance, you know, when I first went there, I immediately uh, understood with every molecule of my being that this was for me. I could do this, that I could really give myself to this. <clears throat> you know, I was brutally aware of not really being able to give myself fully to what I was doing in life in general. And I was, without realizing it, I was looking for some, some practice, you could say, that I could really do, that I, that I, and that I could really give myself to. And the minute I heard the chanting in India, boom, that was it. It was immediate. Yeah. And uh, from that moment to this, it's just been a constant flow of trying to recognize that awareness and, and, and stay with that inner uh, mantra, the inner name, and um, just try to keep remembering to remember, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I, I have to share just a couple of stories in my own life about the, just the enormous impact of, of sound and mantra on my spiritual path. I mean, when I was in my early 20s, actually, I was at Vienna University. That's where I was studying music. And I was a totally wigged out, stressed out undergraduate um, trying to pursue a double degree. And I was diagnosed with acute hypertension. 
and went to the health sciences center and they diagnosed it as such. And they said, do this, do this, and then take these meds. And I said, I'm not going to take the meds. And I remember reading something about TM and the benefits of TM. And so I went to my first TM instructor and was given my mantra. Mm-hmm. And, and KD, was, it was really one of the colossal kind of breakthrough moments in my life because through the power of sound, um, I entered uh, beginner's luck. I stumbled into this samadhi state, the first state of, of real um, spiritual experience. And it was a massive before and after experience. I mean, I, I had no idea such a refined state of heart-mind was possible. And it, it absolutely catapulted me into like, I don't know quite what that is, but I want more of it. Yeah. Um, and my spiritual path was born that day. And, and sound was an absolutely integral component of it. Hmm. Um, and wow. so I still, yeah, I'm still, you know, deeply involved. And, and the second one, second really life uh, transforming experience was when I was in my three year retreat and I was doing um, a devotional practice, which of course that's kirtan is devotional practice, right? Kind of bhakti yoga, right? Mm-hmm. And so sure. I was doing the, the Buddhist version, guru yoga, and, and I was mm-hmm. reciting Milarepa's mantra, and somewhat similar to the experience 25, 30 years previous, that just completely shattered my mind. Something took place that just completely opened me. And, and I think that maybe um, before we listen to your first offering, um, maybe we can talk a little bit about how to listen to Kirtan and, <laughs> and how it actually works upon one um, in terms of for me, the principal somatic effect is one of just profound opening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I uh, chanting and the other the the rebound of chanting, which is listening and hearing. Uh, you know, hearing is very big thing, and it was Milarepa who who you know put his hand up to his ear. Exactly. You know? And because the here the the eyes can close and everything, but the he, the ear is always hearing, and so sound is a really powerful vehicle for moving within. And um, so when when you chant, you know when you're actually doing the singing, you 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 you, you certainly don't try to manipulate yourself and have any particular you know type of experience. You simply repeat the sound and you listen. And then when the group responds, you listen. So there's a flow of, of awareness that you can ride, so to speak, and stay inside of as the whole thing is going on. And so that, that's basically it. You know, that's the, that's the ground level entrance. You know, you just pay attention. And because people like to sing and, and there's some melody involved, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it gives you more to, 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 to relate with, to hang on to, to stay present, you know. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that, I mean, you know, as you know, you're, you're a student of Tibet Buddhism as well. There's, there are often these instructions and exhortations to, you know, look, look, look at your mind. I, I find it um, just as compelling if not more so to listen listen to mm. your mind because for me i i find kd that that you know using kind of the principles of figure ground i, I get too swept up in figures mm-hmm. and what's actually appearing 
And so when I when I actually open and invite and listen, listen to your mind, it's as if I'm 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 switching and reversing things. Now the ground is allowed to come to the fore. Mm-hmm. And, and then yeah, from yeah. there I realize, oh my gosh, this is in fact where everything arises into which everything returns. And, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of primordial sound of the mind. Um, which is, isn't that really what mantra is? Sound of reality, I, the sound of the mind? Exactly, yeah. It's the, the mantra is, uh, it is the sound form of what's beyond form. And uh, it's actually the form, you know, it's, it's sound is form, it's vibration. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it is the form of the formless. And uh, the St. John of the Cross said uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, the Father uttered one word. That word is his Son, and he utters him forever in everlasting silence. And it is in silence that the heart must hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it reminds yeah. me of what Rumi said, you know, that uh, silence is the language of God, all else is poor translation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And for me, I, I love this, that sound is, is the fundamental expression. And therefore, it, it, it's also the avenue to return. So it expresses that nature in one mm-hmm. direction, but you can, it's bi-directional. You can then use the sound to return you to that source. Is this yeah. homecoming? I, I guess it all comes down to intention, right? You know, what your aspiration is. Because, you know, if music and sound itself was enough, then every musician would be happy. <laughs> so we know that that's not true. So it has to be the intention to be present with it and to experience it uh, directly. Or you might say whatever, some spiritual aspiration or recognition has to be there. Otherwise it's just, you know, it just gets stuck in, in pleasant, experience which is uh comes and goes so you want to get past the coming and going or deeper than the coming and going yeah absolutely so let's listen you you were very kind enough to respond and send me a a couple um absolutely magnificent (laughs) renderings of of kirtan do you want to uh-huh. say something um, about I don't, the first one? Um, which one are you going to listen to first? We're going to do the one on love first. Um, uh, uh, not Ayana, for your love. Okay, well, yeah. uh, what can I say about that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Long Island, you know. <laughs> I grew up in the 60s, you know, and rock and roll was was my key to the universe at that point. And a lot of times, a lot of the chants will morph into an ro- old rock and roll song, you know, that, uh, and that's what happened with this chant. I, the, I was just singing this one day. Where was it? Oh, you know Steve Tibbis, don't you? Oh, very well, dear friend. He would be great to talk about music because he's yeah. really, he's first, he's the greatest. But anyway, um, the reason I said that because we were in Minneapolis I'll never forget at Soundcheck, and uh, uh, that's where Steve is from. So uh, I was just singing this. This chord progression came up, and I started singing the Narayana, Narayana, and then all of a sudden the Four Year Love came in for the old uh, Yardbird song. 
<laughs> and so I just kept it there. I said, you showed up, you can stay. You know, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, KD, as, as we transition into listening to this first offering, maybe give us some instructions about the best ways to, to actually listen, attitudinal approaches to make this um, really a type of meditation practice. What kind of instructions can you give us? Well, it's very much like a shamatha practice. You know, it's uh, you can approach it that way. You you stay. You listen to the sound of the, the the music and then and the mantra in the music. And when you notice you're not paying attention, you come back hmm. again and again and again and again and again. The last thing you want to do is try to create some type of uh, emotional experience for yourself or manufacture some kind of feeling. You don't want to manipulate anything. You just simply want to be with the practice, pay attention. And if you know the, the words, you can repeat the words in your mind or out loud because it it, it's call and response. I mean, I sing a line and then there's a response. Or you just listen, immerse yourself in the flow of the sound, but pay attention. So when you notice you're wandering or have been gone, Actually, you're already back, which is interesting. And at that point, you simply come back to the sound again. Yeah. Again and again. Wonderful. Okay, Andy, let's listen to the, to the first one. If you can play that for us, that would be great. Ah. Uh -huh. 
If I could dream of you at night. 
Mm. I particularly enjoy the kind of diminution into utter silence. Yeah. I, I did forget to warn you, it's three years long. <laughs> it's worth it. It's, a, it's a, a meditation and sound. Yeah. I haven't heard that for so long. I, I, I was actually very moved, very yeah, moved it, by it. And what is it? You know, I, I, I asked, so you remember say this question. We, we both know this amazing Tibetan master who is one of the um, regulars in terms of talking about subtle body. And when I asked him this question, I'd be very curious to see where this goes with you. I, I asked him, I said, Rinpoche, when, when we listen to music or mantra and whatnot, is it in fact, um, how does it work? Is it working with our subtle body? And he said, of course, of course. That's, that's really the, when you say you're moved, it's really your winds, your prana, nadi, the subtle system that's really mm. So can, can you talk to us a little bit about <laughs> The relationships, you know, sound is, is subtle form connected to subtle inner body. So I'm curious how you work with that either directly or indirectly, both in your composition and in your practice with sound. Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, I hate to tell you this, Andy, but you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> no I, don't, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I really don't have a clue. I, for me, first of all, uh, what it, the way I see it, I can only talk about my own version, my own what what I'm doing when I'm chanting huh? is that I am singing to the guru. Hmm. I am singing to that living presence within, and I am hopefully moving deeper into that presence with the chance this whole leela of leela means play or drama of, of me going around chanting with people is the grace and blessings of my guru and that is what people feel when i chant by his grace by his blessings he that's what comes through is his presence and this is what moves people uh mm. i i I don't know. I, I have no understanding of the subtle bodies. I don't work with energies. I don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. I just know I want to be in that presence as much as possible. Yeah. And that's where my whole life is trying to navigate deeper into that presence. And the chanting is the practice that was uh, my own karmas and blessing and the, his blessings offered to me to 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 you know to do and to accomplish that i hope <laughs> well that's it for today thanks everybody for joining us and a really warm-hearted thanks to krishna das for sharing his remarkable good heart if you enjoyed this episode be sure to check out all the other offerings on my club see you next time and until then Pleasant dreams.